it's really something to, to experience what we just did in the backdrop of what happened on Tuesday, the, uh, the elections. And, um, you know, I just, I'm just going to veer off our sermon series this morning on, uh, on the life of Joseph to just, uh, to just talk about, about what happened. And, uh, you know, I got emails, I got texts, I got talk to people. And, you know, um, there was many people that felt defeated, discouraged about the outcome of the elections, not necessarily just the outcome, but the whole process of the elections. You know, like, for instance, there were four states that voted in uh, legalizing same-sex marriage. And in one of the, the conventions, they uh, couldn't get a two-thirds majority vote to put God back in their motto. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Did y'all see some of this stuff? Uh, you know, um, you know, and people worried, how, how is the result of the election going to affect the economy? How is the effect of the election going to affect Christians and Christianity? What's going to happen to America? You know, all these questions. Some are concerned about, about the fact that the government is openly supporting uh, and funding abortion, same-sex marriage, and those kinds of things, which, as we read in the Scripture, is contrary. And so some are concerned about... Um, uh, about these things, and, and rightfully so. And so, you know, there's a lot we should be concerned about, about the direction our nation is headed. But we need a biblical worldview. We need a biblical worldview. As I sat uh, Wednesday morning and just started processing where we are as a nation, where we are as the world, I thought, you know what, really, in, in like never before, we need a biblical worldview. You know what a biblical worldview is? It's viewing life and interpreting world's happenings through the lens of God's word. And we need to look at everything that's going on around us through the lens of God's world. Because your worldview, your viewpoint, the glasses that you look through has makes a difference in how you perceive and how you receive and how you interpret everything that's recently happened and that has been happening. Amen? Now, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1 says, My dear friends, this is the second letter I have written to encourage you to do some honest thinking. I don't want you to forget what God's prophets said would happen. You must never forget what the holy prophets taught in the past. And you must remember what the apostles told you our Lord and Savior has commanded us to do. Now, right here, uh, the apostle uh, Peter, in order to help the church stay on the right track and keep a biblical worldview, Peter writes to the church and he reminds them of what the holy prophets taught in times past, as well as reminding them of what they're supposed to do right now as a result of what the prophets spoke about in the past. And I think that uh, we need to do the same. And so the title of my message today is, What Does the November 6th Election Mean and What Am I Supposed to Do? What does it mean and what am I supposed to do? What does, what does it mean in the context and the plan of the purpose of God? How many of you know God has a plan, God has a purpose, and it will unfold and it will happen? Amen. And, you know, as I see it, as we look at it in a Christian worldview, it's kind of like the difference between looking at what's happening in our world today through a microscope or through a telescope. 
You know, as you look at it in the natural, it's looking at it like in a microscope. But when you look at it in a biblical worldview, it's like looking at it in a telescope. It's like looking at it from the blip. Amen. And so, you know, today I want to try to remind you of what the prophets have said. And try to put this election in the context of the plan and the purpose of God. I think we need to look at what the Bible and what the scripture says about this election and what we're supposed to do. Amen. So I believe the outcome of the elections reminds me, number one, that God has a plan that supersedes the outcome of America's elections. Let me say that again. I believe that in the elections remind me that God has a plan that supersedes the outcome of the American elections. You know, God's plan didn't get derailed. Hello? Are y'all here this morning? In Daniel chapter 2, we're not going to take the time to go through all this, but we talked about some of this stuff about a year and a half ago. But in Daniel chapter 2 and chapter 7 is what is believed to be a prophecy of the realignment of the nations and the world powers in the end times. And in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel had a vision of four beasts. If you remember that, beasts that represented... Uh, as he described, and as you get the interpretation of what he saw, it describes and represents four different world empires in history. And the Bible says the lion was one of the beasts that he saw, and it represented the Babylonian Empire, and then the bear represented the Medo-Persian Empire, and then the leopard representing the Grecian Empire. And the fourth beast, as Daniel saw it, had huge iron teeth, ten horns, which is believed to represent the revived Roman Empire. Now, the Bible says that three of these empires uh, can be traced back, and you can trace it back in history, and, and, and it's believed that these are already happened as you look at these different empires that came on the scene and finally faded. But then the fourth empire that has not yet been established is believed to be the world power that will usher in the Antichrist. The Bible speaks of an Antichrist. Are you all familiar with that? In Daniel chapter 7, in verse 23, I'm just going to read a portion of it. It says, Then he said to me, This fourth beast is the fourth world power that will rule the earth. It will be different from all the others. It will devour the whole world, trampling and crushing everything in its path. It's ten horns or ten kings who will rule that empire. And then another king will arise, different from the other ten, who will subdue three of them. He will defy the Most High and oppress the holy people of the Most High. And he will try to change their sacred festivals and laws. And they will be placed under his control for a time, times, and a half time. This was a prophetic word for something that had not yet taken place. But that will take place. Amen? And we're not going to break it all down here, but uh, about a year and a half ago, something like that, we did a series called Signs of the Times, and and you can get that in the Resource Center. But so out of that realignment of the world powers will come what is believed to be what the Bible calls and will usher in the Antichrist. And so notice the description of verse 25. It says, he will defy the Most High and oppress the holy people of the Most High, and he will try to change their sacred festivals and laws, and they will be placed under his control for a time, times, and a half time. Now, it is believed the Antichrist is not on the scene yet, but the Bible says that the spirit of the Antichrist is already here and is already working on the earth. 
This ruler, Daniel described, will usher in a one world government that will control and rule the entire world. In verse 23 of Daniel 7, then he said to me, this fourth beast is the fourth world power that will rule the earth. It will be different from all the others. It will devour the whole world, trampling and crushing everything in its path. Now, that's not great encouraging news this morning, right? But the Bible speaks of a one world government that comes out of the revived Roman Empire. That's what the Bible says, which will be ruled by the Antichrist. Now, you know, whenever I look at what's happening in the world today, for a one world government to happen, I believe that the superpower of America has to become a weakened power for a one world power to exist. And I believe that what happened in Tuesday's election is a further weakening of America's power. Morally, you know, somebody said, we don't need Russia or China to invade us. We will self-destruct from within. And so, you know, I believe it's setting the stage for what is prophetically spoken of by Daniel as a realignment of world powers. That's what I feel is happening and has happened in the days and the months. God has a plan that supersedes the outcome of America's election. Hey, listen, it's not all about America. I love America. I'm so glad to be a part of America. But can I tell you something? God has a plan that involves all the nations of the world, and America has just happened to be one of them. Come on, are y'all with me out there? And so I believe the outcome of, a, of, the, of the elections reminds me, first of all, that God's plan supersedes what happens at the election. But number two, I believe the outcome of the elections reminds me we're getting closer to the second coming of Christ. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24 and verse one, Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to a point to to point out the temple buildings to him. And he said to them, do you see all these things? Surely I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another, which will be torn down. And he was sitting on the Mount of Olives and the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? So they said, when was this temple going to be torn down? And so this entire passage of scripture, which was written hundreds of years before our day, is what we call Bible prophecy. And Bible prophecy is the prediction of certain future events. How many of you know God has already prophesied what's going to happen from the beginning to the end of the world? Amen. And verse three says, what will be the sign? They said, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? In other words, they're saying, hey, when's this going to happen? And the first question, what's the sign of your coming? In the Greek, it means the return of your presence. What will be the sign of the return of your presence? And he says, what will be the sign of your coming? And then the disciples ask the second question, what will be the sign of the end of the age? Now, we read that the end of the age, it does not mean the end of the physical globe or the physical earth. But what it does mean is the end of the age when evil and wickedness rules on the earth. And so they were asking Jesus, when are you coming back to take over this world and establish your rule and reign on the earth? You know, some Christians felt like Jesus got defeated on Tuesday. No, no, not not hardly. Not, not, not by a long shot. 
Listen, if you recognize any of these signs happening right now in America that Jesus predicted would happen, then you know you're getting closer to the end times. Now, he used the rest of the script, the scripture to say, this is what you look for when you're getting close to the end of time and the return of my presence. Number one, he said, increase spiritual deception. In verse four, and Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you for many will come in my name saying I am the Christ and will mislead many. So Jesus says, that a great spiritual deception will increase on the earth. So he said, why is this going on? A spiritual deception. Number two, a second sign that the second coming is near is increased wars. The Bible says in verse six, you will be hearing of wars, rumors of war. See that you're not frightened for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. So the Bible says there will be increase in of wars in the world. You know, we can pray for the peace of the world, but it won't happen. Jesus said just the opposite will happen. You will have an increase of national wars. Amen. Verse 24, uh, uh, verse 7 of Matthew 24. He says, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against nation. Now, have you noticed the increased hostility of nations in the world? Have you noticed that? Watch the headline news and you're going to see all these signs. But listen, nations in the Greek means a race, a tribe, especially referring to non-Jewish people. A sign that the nearness of the second coming will be a greater hostility towards specifically the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is a key to God's whole big plan. And the more that you see people coming against the nation of Israel, the more you know that it's just getting closer. Amen. A third sign of the second coming is near is national disasters. Verse seven, for nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. You know, Sandy just hit New York and they called it the perfect storm. Who can create the perfect storm? Famines, earthquakes represent natural and social disasters. And the Bible says that natural and social disasters will increase as we get near to the second coming. That's what Jesus predicted. So one of the signs we're getting closer to the end is more perfect storms. See, that goes contrary to a worldly worldview. Are y'all hearing me out here? But as children of God, we are not to look through the microscope. We're look to look through the telescope. Of God's big picture. Amen. A fourth sign that we're closer to the second coming is increased Christian persecution. Verse nine says, and they will deliver you to tribulation. They will kill you. They will be hated by all nations because of my name. Hey, listen, if you're a Christ follower, you can expect to receive more persecution as the days go on. It's not going to get better for the church. It's going to get worse. An increase of hatred for Jesus as well as Christians and Christianity is a sign we're getting closer to the end of times. A fifth sign that we're closer to the second coming is a falling away of Christians. Verse 10, at that time, many will fall away and they will betray one another and hate one another. You know what? Persecution will cause many to turn their back on God. When it boils down to it, they're more, they're more tied to the world than they are Christ. And persecution and heat will determine who they're going to give their allegiance and their loyalty to. Persecution will weed out the half-hearted, half-committed Christians out of our churches. This is great news today, isn't it? 
Now, I think we're seeing a greater divide among so-called evangelical Christians today. And a spiritual purging has taken place as we get closer to the end times. And so a sixth sign that we get closer to the second coming is violence, crime, immorality, and hatred will increase. In verse 12, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Lawlessness increases. There will be an increase of people having no conviction of right and wrong, no conviction of what is holy or what is not, what is godly or what is not. It'll be increased. People's love will grow cold. No compassion, no love, and no concern for human beings. So violence, crime, immorality, and hatred will increase as we get closer to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, why do I believe the election results uh, means we're getting closer? Because Jesus said concerning the signs of the times in verse 8, he says, all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. It's just the beginning. Now, every mother knows about labor pains, that labor pains increase in frequency and labor increases in intensity, right? Whenever a mother gets ready to deliver, labor increases in frequency and increases in intensity. And so Jesus says the election, uh, you know, really just surfaced what was already taking place. Are y'all with me? It's not like all of a sudden. No, no. You know, listen, we went out. America went out and voted Tuesday. And they voted their values. They voted their heart. They voted where they are spiritually. Amen. It's just the surfacing of where America already is. That's what it is. And Jesus said, listen, all these things will get more intense. They'll become more frequent. In other words, spiritual deception, national hostility, natural disasters, increased person, Christian persecution, a falling away of people of faith, an increase of violence, hatred. All these are not going to get better, saints of God. I know this is not great news for us to shout and give glory and honor to God about, but I tell you what it is. It's a biblical worldview. Freeman, what's happening? Inning in the globe. The election results seem to indicate the fulfillment of the signs that Jesus said would increase as we get closer to the second coming. Amen. Now, I believe the outcome of the elections reminds us, number three, that we need to get ready for his return. We need to get ready for his return. Does talking about the Antichrist and the second coming scare you? Because listen, if it does, that might be an indication that you're not ready. That you're not ready. Remember Lot's wife? We never, you know, the Lord was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And and he said, get out of there and you're going to save your life. And she was leaving and she turned around. She turned into a pillar of salt. She was a little bit too attached. You know what I believe? I believe we need to get detached from the world. We We Listen, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Amen. Come on, are y'all with me? Y'all help me preach out here today. And so we need to get our heart right. Amen. We need to get ready. We need to get ready. First Thessalonians 4, 13 says this. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep or who died, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, Comfort one another with these words. This is supposed to be comfort. The passage of scripture is referring to the next major event to occur in God's prophetic calendar. The passage of scripture is referring to what what the theologians call the rapture of the church. The rapture, the word rapture itself can't be found in the Bible, but it's a word translated right out of the Latin Vulgate. Translation of the Bible, which is right here in this passage of Scripture. Rapture means to be caught up, to be snatched away or taken out. And in verse 16, it says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Those who have died in faith, they will rise first. This is the resurrection of the dead. And then we who are alive will remain, those of us that are still here, When the trumpet sounds, we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we always be with the Lord. So according to Bible scholars, the rapture of the church will be the next major event to take place on God's prophetic calendar. And, you know, we have this graph that we showed. And I don't know you can see it here. You know, the first coming of Christ when Jesus was born. And what all the mainline theologians believe is the rapture, the catching away of the church is going to happen. And then seven years of tribulation, then the second coming of Christ. Now, some people differ on when they believe the rapture is going to happen. Some believe it's going to be after the tribulation. Some believe it's going to be in the middle of the tribulation. But all of them believe that there's going to be a catching away of the church. Now, I personally, my desire is that he would catch me up before I go through the tribulation. Amen. I hope. Whenever he catches up, I'm caught up. Come on, are y'all with me? But then the second coming will come. So the first event, the first coming, the second event, the rapture, the third event, the tribulation, the fourth event, the second coming, and then finally the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. Now, according to most mainline Protestant theologians, the next chronological order of end-time events to take place is the rapture of the church. Now, maybe that's wrong, but maybe that's right. And unlike the second coming of Christ, there will be no visible signs or warnings when this event will take place. The Bible says that the rapture of the church will happen suddenly. In 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says, let me, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. Now, Paul called this event a secret, a mystery. A mystery is a secret or a truth that has not yet been revealed. And so Paul said it's going to happen in a moment, in the blinking of an eye. Now, brothers and sisters, are you ready for his return? If he shows up, if the trumpet sounds, 
Are you going to be like Lot's wife and turn into a pillar of salt because you're too connected to this world? Or are you going to be connected to the Lordship of Christ? And if the trumpet sounds and he catches the church up and it happens like they, they say it's going to happen, that you're going to be caught up and you're going to be out of here. Come on, I think we need to get ready. Come on, are y'all with me? Listen, don't hang your head. Don't get too so caught up about what happened in the national elections. We need to look at it from God's big plan. His plan is not going to get derailed. It's not going to get sidetracked. It's going to happen, brothers and sisters. Amen. Matthew chapter 24 and 25 gives us three clues as how to get ready. Number one, we need to be watchful. Matthew 24, 42 says, you too must keep watch for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. The message says, stay awake and be alert. The Amplified says, give strict attention to cautious, be cautious and active. Don't fall asleep spiritually. Don't get lured in to the world. Stay awake spiritually. Keep your spiritual eyes wide open. Because it could happen tomorrow. Could happen before this day is over. Could happen while I'm preaching. There are many pastors that went to heaven while they were preaching. Amen. Come on, forget about the rapture of the church. When are we going to be raptured in death? You know, when I, that's it. Boom, we're there. To be absent from the body is to be present for the Lord. Amen. I think I need to concern myself more about, am I living right? If I died today, then I need to worry about what's going to happen with the whole world. Because my world could end today, right now. Are y'all with me? A biblical worldview is what we need. Amen. And know that, listen, I mean, I'm not excited about what we see. But I need to put it in the backdrop of a biblical worldview. God is on the throne. His plan is on track. It's not going to get derailed. It's not going to, it's not going to change. His plan will unfold. I need to be watchful. Amen. To be watchful means to stay awake and be alert. Next, we need to be wise. Matthew 25 and 1 says, The kingdom of heaven is like what happened one night when ten girls took their oil lamps and went to a wedding to meet the groom. Five of the girls were foolish, five were wives. The foolish ones took their lamps, but no extra oil. The ones who were wise took extra oil for their lamps. The groom was late arriving, and the girls became drowsy, and they fell asleep. Then in the middle of the night, someone shouted, Here's the groom, come to meet him. When the girls got up and started getting their lamps ready, the foolish one said to the others, Let us have some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. The girls who were wise answered, there's not enough oil for all of us. Go and buy some for yourselves. And while the foolish girls were on their way to get some oil, the groom arrived. The girls who were ready went into the wedding and the doors were closed. Later, the other girls returned and shouted, sir, sir, open the door for us. But the groom replied, I don't even know you. In case you're wondering what he's talking about, verse 13, he says, So my disciples, always be ready. You don't know the day or the time when all this will happen. The oil in this parable represents our relationship with Christ. Five of them had enough oil. 
five of them didn't. And so Jesus is saying to the five foolish girls, you didn't have enough oil because I didn't even know you. Wow, that's sobering right there. And so the question I ask myself is, Lord, do you know me? Hey, hey, Lord, let me spell it out for you. My name is Todd Menard, and I'm declaring my allegiance to you. And Lord, I need some oil. I need some oil, Lord. Because you know what I find out with this parable? I can't go bore oil from my neighbor. I got to get it on my own. Because my neighbor just got enough for them. They don't have enough for me. So I got to get my own oil and I need to be ready whenever the bridegroom comes. Come on, are y'all with me? Yes, amen. And you know, listen, the oil represents our salvation. You need to be right with God. You need to be saved. You need to be born again. You can't just play church entity. It's not going to do it. It ain't going to fill up your lamp with oil. Come okay, on. This is sobering. This is real. This is right. Amen. And so number one, we need to be watchful getting ready for his return. Number two, we need to be wise. And number three, we need to be busy. Busy. Remember Jesus told that story about the master who went on a journey and he gave some talents to three of his servants. Remember that story? And to one of his servants, he gave five talents and said, here, go and invest this while I'm on while I'm gone, I'm going to be back, but just go ahead and invest it. And then one, he gave two, and he said, you do the same thing. Go invest the talents that I'm giving you, and I'm going to be back. Just, just, you know, just do good with what I give you. And there was one that had just, was given this one. And, and you know the story. Back, can I read it? The interpretation, verse 20, the man who received the five talents brought the other five the master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came and said, master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one talent Came, Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, you know, we could talk about the talent means our money. But let's say the talent represents our life. And, and maybe some of us are given five talents of life a certain amount of days. Some of us have given two talents, maybe a shorter time frame, and maybe some of us one. Regardless of whether it was five, two, or one, what the master requires is that we're faithful with the talent which he gives us. What the master is concerned about is that we're faithful if, if the talent represents our life, that the master is requiring us to be faithful with the life that he's given us. 
And so to be busy, I believe, means that we need to be spending our life in service to him. Come on, are y'all with me out there? And whenever we, whenever he comes back, he's going to ask us, he's going to sit with us and say, what did you do with this life I gave you? And the very thing we don't want to do is to say, I hit it. I was scared, so I hit it. I was scared what it would cost me to invest my talent in your kingdom, so I buried it. What we want to hear him say, or we, what we want to tell him is that, Lord, I did my best. You Listen, some of the investments didn't turn out too good, but I invested, Lord. I invested here. I invested there. I invested in that soul. I invested in that soul. Lord, I worked. I got some money. I used some money to try to further your kingdom. I did what I could with my life to help the master build his kingdom. Amen. The very last thing I want to hear is for him to say to me, you wicked, lazy slave. You wicked, lazy servant. I don't want to hear that. How about you? What I do want to hear him say is, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. That's what I want to hear him say. And then the rest is history. For the rest of eternity, we get to enjoy the presence of God in the streets of gold where there's no stress, no strain, no sweat, no humidity, there's no bills, there's no mosquitoes, amen, there's no nets, there's no enemy, there's no devil, there's no demons, it's a perfect environment where we can worship the King of kings and the Lord of glory for all of eternity, amen. Come on, stand with me and let's thank God for his big plan. Let's thank the Lord for his agenda, amen. Come on, don't hang your head down. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged if you're in the army of God. If you're on the side of the Lord, just be encouraged. Be encouraged today that God's got a master plan and all the nations are just like pieces on the chessboard of what he's doing in the world. And Syria and Iraq and Libya and India and, and Indonesia and all these nations are just pieces of the puzzle that he's just going to move where he wants and he's going to do with how he wishes to accomplish his big divine plan. Amen. But he's coming back, saints of God. He's coming back. Are you ready? Are you ready? Come on. The Bible says, come on, look up, look up, be ready for the redemption draweth nigh. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your big plan, that we're part of your big plan. That, Lord, we're not sinking, we're not failing, we're not defeated, we're not discouraged as the church of God. Lord, you said, Lord, as the time comes to the end, you will pour out your spirit on the last days, and the army of God will be filled with power, filled with the presence of God. Signs and wonders will be released on the church. There will be a spiritual revival that takes place in these latter days. And Lord, we, the body of Christ, want to tap in and be a part of this latter rain, this outpouring of your spirit. God, even now, give us boldness, give us confidence, and give us the grace we need to live for you, to serve you as a, as a soldier in the army of the living God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, what's your heads bowed for just a moment? I want to ask if you here today and you say, Todd, I'm not sure. 
I'm not sure I'm in the army of God. I'm not sure I'm ready. If the trumpet sounds tonight, I'm not sure I'm ready. But I want to be ready. Would you pray for me? I want to be saved. I want to be a born again believer. I don't want to just go to church. I want this to be real. I want it to be genuine. Pray for me. Would you pray for me? If that's you, raise your hand. And I want to pray for you. Just bow your head with me. Now, the Lord has brought you to such a time as this. He's known, he's known your, your feelings. He's known your struggles. He's known your discouragement. He's known you. He knows you intimately. He knows every hair that falls off your head. He knows exactly what you've been through. And he knows exactly where you are. But he loves you. He gave his son Jesus to die for you. So that you don't have to sit in darkness. But that you can be saved. You can be born again. And all that's required on your part is by faith to receive the gift that Jesus paid a high price for. And so I want to lead you in prayer. And I'm going to ask you from your heart to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, say it from your heart. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for breaking your laws, for rebelling against you. I'm sorry, Lord. Lord, would you forgive me? I want to be ready. I want to be ready for your return. I want to be ready to face eternity. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross to pay for my sins, to take my punishment. Lord Jesus, I accept your gift of salvation. I ask you to come into my life. Come into my heart and be my Lord. Be my Savior. Fill my lamp, Lord, with your oil. I declare my allegiance to you in Jesus' name. Come on, say that in Jesus' name. I pray. Amen. 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 Now the Bible says, to as many as received him, To them, he gave the right to become children of God. God's the one that does it, right? And the Bible says that heaven stops when somebody gives their life to Christ. Heaven stops. The angels say, wait, wait, hold up. There's somebody else getting added to the Lamb's book of life. And so it stopped abruptly this morning as your name was recorded in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. 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 Now listen to to the church. Come on, don't get, don't get too messed up. Keep your focus. Jesus said, listen, the gospel will be preached in every nation and then the end will come. Our work is holding back His return. We need to get the gospel out to everybody we can. Share our faith. Love them to Jesus. Amen? Let's do the business of the kingdom. And whether it's us personally going to be with Him, or it's whether the whole church, we're going to be ready for it to happen. Amen. God bless you. Be dismissed. Have a great day.